0: Hi everyone, welcome to Edition with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi everyone. So Mara, as we discussed last week, Greg Rickhart is headed back to Days as Leo for a brand new story. He is going to connect with someone on the canvas who he hasn't crossed paths with yet. But we spoke to Greg for an interview in our new issue and he admits that he never really gave any thought to how long the gig would last. And here we are four years later and he's still coming and going as Leo Stark. So Greg tells us he's thrilled because Leo was so much fun to play. And I could only imagine because certainly Leo was devious. He gets the best one-liners. He gets the best wardrobe. <laughs> and there is some really good stuff coming up in this tale so I would suggest everybody tune in next week for sure. Um, but we will also continue to see him as Young and the Restless as Kevin so that's great news as well. Now another topic we touched on last week was the can't miss week GH had in store as the long road to comeuppance for the villainous Peter August finally came to an end. And in our new issue the show's head writers Chris Bennett and Dan O'Connor spoke to me about how they executed the villain's demise. And they said that they always knew the final moment had to be between Anna and Peter. The story started with them and had to end with them. I have to give a huge shout out to Vanola Hughes, who was so incredible in that chilling final scene between Anna and Peter. And I think it was absolutely the right choice to have Felicia come to Maxie's rescue. I have had uh, several conversations with Christina Wagner, who plays Felicia, about uh, Felicia, you know, having been an absentee mother to her girls, which really came out of Christina's comings and goings from the show, and the writers just kind of sending Felicia away and not necessarily doing the best job of addressing why she wasn't there for her daughters. So it's a regret that Christina has harbored, and I think it's one fans of harbored, and I think Felicia being such a key player here was a nice way to redeem Felicia as a mom in any event, this brings Wes Ramsey's four-plus years on the show to quite the dramatic end, and he posted a very classy goodbye to the fans, saying that it had been a dream come true for him. You know, I feel Wes has been classy throughout his whole run. You know, there has been such animus directed in him online, and when we had him on the podcast, I remember thinking he had such good perspective on the situation. You know, I feel anyone who plays a villain knows that the audience is going to hate them or love to hate them, like in the case of Daisy's Ali Sweeney as Sammy um, in her more scheming years. But here, you know, some of these attacks felt more personal at times. And it seemed West really took it all in stride. And I really tip my hat to him for that. Uh, it cannot be easy. You know, I've spoken to actors through the years who have admitted that they all try to like soften a scene or make their villainous character less so because they don't want the fans to hate them. And I think it must be a very difficult position to be in, especially now with feedback being so immediate. I absolutely agree. You know, you have to have a really thick skin to be able to shake off that amount of criticism. Now, my experience of Wes is that he is an incredibly gentle and like sincere soul. And I truly wish him all the best in the future. Uh, one more thing I want to highlight for fans in our new issue is a section where we talk to actors who play BFFs including YNR Melissa Claire Egan and Liz Hendrickson, Chelsea and Chloe, and GH's Kelly Tebot and Mary Shen, who play Brit and Brad. I had so much fun doing uh, that GH interview and the whole section is like just a joy to read. Oh, I loved it so much. You know, those are the kind of features that really appeal to me still, even, you know, as both someone who works at the magazine, but who also is a fan of the shows. I love knowing the real life connections that people have and just sort of hearing about the experience of like being friends and playing friends uh-huh. So I'm with you Please read it um, Now back to Greg So he isn't the only one on Young and the Restless Who has been double dipping Our guest today is Eileen Davidson Who plays the one and only Ashley Abbott in Genoa City But has also reprised some of her many roles on Days uh-huh. so let's get her on the line and see how it's all going Hi Eileen Hi How you doing?
1: I'm doing really well I'm happy to be here I feel like uh-huh. I've been working with Soap Opera Digest since I was a little kid
0: uh, <laughs> you have. <laughs> um, you so, you were, yes. Um well we're so excited. We've talked about you. Let's see, we are this is podcast 201 mm-hmm. and you have definitely been top on the list. So we're so excited to <laughs> finally talk to you. Um so we're gonna go back a little to your childhood. You were raised in a community in southeast Los Angeles, but not in a showbiz family, but the youngest in family of seven. So how would you describe your childhood?
1: It was loud. Um we, we were, we, my dad and my mom and dad bought a house in La Mirada, and that's where I was raised, which was about 30 minutes from Huntington Beach and uh, Disneyland. So we were at Disneyland a lot, and it was a very loud household, a lot of fighting, either laughing or screaming because of so many kids. And um, sports were always a big part of our lives. Um, we had like a badminton court, and we had... Um, my father put in like a two-hoop um, two basketball court in our backyard. We played volleyball, tetherball, um, we had a pool. So it was just like a very typical Southern California, you know, upbringing. I went to Catholic school my, basically my whole life. And um, yeah, no showbiz, no showbiz. And I, I got bit rather late in life, I guess. And um, yeah, my mother went gray when I moved to Hollywood. She really, she literally did. She literally turned gray. Wow. When
0: when you look back at little Eileen and her personality, do you see any hints that entertainment might be in her future?
1: I never really took drama or anything in school. I think I was in one play in the fifth grade. I had just three lines. So I never pursued it, even though I kind of had a love for it. Um, Dressing up was always a big deal and and doing like a talent show thing. I would do that with a girlfriend. But um, basically, I never was in theater or anything. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, you were a model before you got into acting. So how did that come about and what did you like and not like about
1: it? Um, Well, I was a pseudo model because I was only 5'7". So I wasn't really tall enough to model per se. Uh, But I was actually, I mean, this doesn't get any more cliche than this. I was dancing. I had moved to Newport Beach when I was 17. I lived with my sister my senior year of high school. And I was dancing in a bar barefoot. And a photographer asked if he could, you know, take some pictures of me. And thank God he wasn't like a serial killer. (laughs) (laughs) I could have gone horribly wrong. (laughs) I can't believe the stuff I did then. Yes. Okay. Let's take some pictures alone with you on the beach at four in the morning. Um, Please Don't murder me. Um, So I just took some shots. I ended up modeling for Newport in Newport beach. I did like ski wear and uh, bikinis and fashion shows down there. And, um, Yeah. So I was kind of just doing that kind of modeling and I was living in Orange County. Um, I was going to school at Orange Coast College. I was like a marine biology major, journalism major. I was all over the place. And I moved to Hawaii. A girlfriend of mine had moved there and I went for two weeks and stayed for a couple months. And we didn't have a phone. We didn't have a TV. We didn't have a car. Uh, We were on the North shore of Oahu. And I literally just... uh, spent a lot of time and decided I was going to move to Hollywood and give it a shot. And, um, I ran out of money. So I I took the bus into Waikiki and I got a modeling job for crazy shirts, which was a catalog for like, um, vacation wear t-shirts. And I, I, I earned my uh, airfare back home. And then I moved to Hollywood a couple months after that. And I actually, my, um, my stepson is, is one of them is, is really into, he wrote a book and he was really into self discoveries 26 now and really into following your instincts and doing what you want to do in your life. He's kind of found his passion during COVID. So I was telling him I'd gone through some old papers and I found something I'd written when I was in Hawaii where I said, I'm totally on my own. I don't live at home anymore. I don't have a boyfriend. I'm going to move to Los Angeles. I have a hunch. Wow. I know. And I didn't remember writing that. I happened to find this literally just a couple months ago and I got chills. I went, what? I had nothing, really nothing to go on. I had you know, I didn't know anybody in Los Angeles. I had you know it was crazy. I don't know how I did it. It's like it's I don't even know who that was anymore. Wow, I had walls i I guess yeah. I had some walls
0: <laughs> you, you gotta develop that in a family of seven weird, <laughs> um, yeah, so how did you go about finding your footing in this industry, especially knowing no one, as you said, going yeah. on a hunch.
1: Well, I had started modeling in Orange County, as I said, and one of the girls I was modeling with was moving up to LA and we decided to get an apartment together with a guy that she knew. And so it was like a threes company in reverse. And it wasn't really done that often that you had male roommates back then. But, and the, he was an actor and he suggested that I take an acting class for commercials and such. So I took an acting class and I ended up falling in love with it. And I cried my first time on stage and um, it kind of changed the course of my, of my entire existence. And guess what? At that acting class, Peggy McKay was one of my teachers. Oh my God. Wow. That's crazy. She was one of my very first teachers.
0: That's so sweet. So I have, you must've had a nice reunion then years later.
1: I, we did. And I told her, I said, you know, you were, in." she was like, I hope I was a good teacher. I'm like, you were an amazing teacher. <laughs> She's like, look so so where funny. I am now? <laughs> you were great. Passionate. <laughs> such a sweetheart.
0: That's amazing. Truly. Um, well, in 1982, you were one of about 100 women who were seen for the role of Ashley Abbott on Young and the Restless. So tell what? us your why in our casting story. And did you want the job or was it just another
1: audition for you? Oh, no. I wanted a job. <laughs> I was, uh, at the time, not a, a year before that, I'd been waiting tables at a, at a restaurant in, in Westwood. And I was working for my father. I was cleaning the toilets of the acting studio for free acting classes. So I was busting my buns. So yeah, are you kidding me? I just wanted to work. And actually Marvin Page was the casting director in General Hospital. He took a liking to me. And he would just have me and he would work with me for hours. He was trying to get me on GH for so long. And I got very close on a couple of the roles but he helped me really in just working with me and and stuff. He was a terrific casting person. He really took, you know, hands-on approach, at least with me. Uh, But anyway, so I I read for the role of Ashley um, and i lost my contact lens the day of my screen test Had one lens. And I had a scene with Terry Lester and one with Jerry Douglas. And uh, in the scene, Terry, um, I was supposed to walk between him and the sofa and, and the table and he put his legs up on the table so I couldn't get by and he, we hadn't practiced that or rehearsed that so I just kicked his legs out of the way and I swear to god that has a lot to do with why I got the role because it kind of established our relationship and I could only see out of one eye <laughs> <laughs>
0: so I guess it's especially fortunate you kicked the leg and not something exactly. more. exactly <laughs> yeah
1: I could have missed it with something else
0: So, um, Ashley was a very high-impact character from the beginning. You know, so many complex relationships with her family members, a very rocky love life, her professional endeavors. It seems, you know, obvious that William J. Bell uh, was very inspired by her and very inspired by you. What stands out to you when you think about what it was like to come onto the show and to first step into Ashley's shoes and establish her? Right,
1: right. Um, well, it was very exciting. First, working with Jerry and Terry, and they were so welcoming. And I mean, at, at Jerry's memorial, I, I made a joke about the fact that, I mean, honestly, they were so loving and incredible, inviting us over, Beth and I, over to their houses. And we'd sing at the piano, and, you know, we'd hang out. And and I said they were so thrilled, but obviously, getting a family on a soap is money. <laughs> so they were very happy they were getting a family. <laughs> But also they were incredibly sweet and welcoming. Um, it was great. You know, there was a lot of excitement around it because I guess the Brooks family was being eased out. So there was kind of almost a feeling of um, new kid in town. I mean, I don't think we really I didn't really understand the the gravity of it really, what it really meant, and how it was really kind of opening up a new um, kind of a, a whole new a whole new road on on the young and the restless, a whole yeah. new Adamo, Um and how the family was going to become dominant um, for so many years to come.
0: Um, as you mentioned, Jerry, the daytime community recently lost a true legend in Jerry Douglas. Um, so tell us about your relationship with him.
1: Well, you know, again, Jerry was just so sweet. He he couldn't have been any, any more loving and welcoming and and made it such a warm and safe place to be creative. Um, that's what I would say. I mean, I grew a lot as an actress, tremendous amount my first few years on the show. I mean, I don't think I've ever stopped growing. I, I hope to God I don't, but, um, especially then it was a safe environment to like, you know, practice your, your craft and then to, to bring yourself to the role. You were encouraged, um, to bring yourself to the role and, um, to experiment and to be able to do that in, in a warm and safe environment was really everything for a young actor. Absolutely. Jerry was just loving, you know, he was just so sweet, but the funny thing about Jerry is, you know, he was my father on screen, but off screen, he was my friend. And, you know, he was young. When you think back now, he was only in his early 40s. I thought he was so ancient. (laughs) And He was a young guy. And he ended up marrying one of my good friends, Kim. Mm -hmm. And she was my age. Um, I met Kim through him. But I mean, so they were like, um, you know, we were double date, which was funny. Well,
0: the trauma of Ashley's discovery that her biological father was Brent Davis uh, led her into one of the most iconic love triangles in soap opera history, Ashley
1: Victor Nicky. Why do you think that caught fire with fans the way that it did? Hell if I know. I mean, I don't get it. I don't understand the formula. I, that's why, I mean, especially as I've gotten older, I'm like, Bill Bell was a freaking genius. He just was a genius. I mean, I have so much respect for him. Uh, in his writing and his, his choice of writers, um, he had tremendous talent in, in how to to craft a story and make you root for all sides.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: not that easy. And um, you, you, you had so many people pulling for Ashley and, you had, and he would write something that would make her look villainous, but then Nikki would do something that was really crappy. And then you'd feel for Ashley, which you, you wouldn't think you would. But because of how the story was written, he could just manipulate people you know it was really a fascinating thing to to see it especially in retrospect because when you're playing it you don't really see it mm-hmm. but like her having the abortion and in the range how she's saying she's not strong enough to be a single mother in 1985 i'm saying this and choosing to have an abortion was like really shocking yeah you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting thing because i know there was a correlation and this bothered me at the time talking about reproductive rights, it kind of bothered me that she kind of went a little loony tunes after that. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like the correlation between she got an abortion and she went nuts. So I, I always would, in interviews at the time to Soap Opera Digest, I would always, and whoever, I would always say, you know, it was more about her losing the love of her life and losing her life that what she thought she could have had is what did it. I hated that direct correlation between abortion and and bothered me.
0: Because Ashley was so dominant and you were so popular, you were on a lot of soap opera digest covers in the 1980s, some of my favorites with your fabulously permed hair. So first (laughs) of all, do you ever miss it? And what (laughs) stands out to you sort of about the glamour of that era?
1: Do I ever miss my permed hair? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That I would say, no, I don't miss my permed hair. Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, Soap Opera Digest, we were so spoiled. We used to have these food laid out, and I think there was even alcohol involved. Probably you guys had nothing to do with that. Um, But we got presents from Tiffany's afterwards. I mean, it was really first class all the way. And it was fun. You know, the music was blaring. They'd bring in racks of fantastic clothes. And, I mean, I I was spoiled, rotten. I did this for decades, this kind of photo shoots, You know, and for me, frankly, I was always one of those women. I was in and out. You know, I had a very, um, I had, a, I loved that, but I also had a, a, you know, a life and I always want to get back to my life. So I was always like, let's get the shot. Let's get the shot. Let's come <laughs> like up, 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 up. I'm going to wear this. I'm going to wear that. Don't be late. We're going to get in. We're going to get out. I've just always been that way. This is not something that happened over overnight. I've just always been that way. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so I enjoyed it, but I also, you know, kind of enjoyed getting back to my life.
0: Fair enough. Do you have a favorite story that was told with Ashley? from your first chunk of years on the show where she did have a lot of iconic romances, family drama, all that good stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, I loved it when she found out that John Abbott wasn't her father. I thought that was a great twist. I don't think anybody saw that one coming because of how the the relationship was established so early on between them. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was fun. It was fun to have something so, um, you know, hard left in the story. And I I always wondered why they didn't mine it more. You know, it was like, I didn't—I never understood that. It was so strange to have established that. And then, I don't know, who knows? I wish I could have found that out because I didn't understand it. But that was a great storyline, as was the triangle, finding out, you know, hearing that Nikki had a um, disease or she was going to die and then she's lying. And all that was just such good soap opera stuff, just such great stuff to sink your teeth into.
0: You left oh. Young and Restless for the first time after a six-year run, and you actually found your replacement, Brenda Epperson. Can you tell <laughs> us that story?
1: I can. Um, I had been planning on leaving and I was at a charity fashion show, I believe, and Brenda was a waitress there. And she came up to me and she said that people told her that she looked like me. And I said, well, I'm leaving the role. And I gave her my number and I said, you know, I'll help you out, whatever. So she called me like a year later and I gave her some tips and she got the role. He's crazy. Wow. That's amazing. Could have had a
0: side hustle finding uh, Eileen Davidson lookalikes For <laughs> any role,
1: you might, I mean, you might depart.
0: Um, okay, so I was going through your Instagram, and I found the most incredible promo art for what appears to be one of your first post-YNR projects, a little TV movie called Sharing Richard. Oh, I was actually uh, on YNR when I did that. Okay, all right. What is a better tagline than this? Three best friends, three very different lives, one too many things in common they're sharing Richard. So Richard was played by Ed Marinaro and your character's two best friends. And I guess Richard, Richard sharers were played by two other daytime stars, Hillary B. Smith of World Turns in One Life to Live fame and Nancy Frangian, who played uh, Cecile on Another World. A, I've got to get my hands on this movie. And B, what stands out to you about that project?
1: Well, I know that Hill and I bonded during that film. I mean, Nancy was great too, but Hill and I just kind of, got each other and, and we became really good friends after that. Um, so that was a lot of fun. We were on location in Houston. Um, just a lot of fun. Peter Bonners who used to be on the new heart show directed it. So it was just kind of a, a hoot. It was just a, a really fun thing. It was gone for a month. I remember I found, I was shooting a scene on YNR when it, I don't know how I got a call on the, st- in the studio <laughs> to the role. So that was kind of a fun thing to do. Mm-hmm. Awesome. <laughs>
0: Uh, well, as you were branching out in your career, did you encounter any stigma towards your soap credit or feel like you weren't taken as seriously because you'd been on a soap because the 80s were different a little that way?
1: Yeah, um, probably. Probably. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I, I guess so. I don't know. I kind of went through a, a midlife, very early midlife crisis after I left Y&R and um, I ended up taking time off instead of, you know, probably should have been out there more trying to get work, but I ended up kind of just like taking time off for like a year. Um, but I did do a movie with John Voigt, I did a movie with Paula Matt right when I'd left the show. So I'd done a couple of features and then, I, I mean, I took a year off and then I got um, Broken Badges, the series with Ernie Hudson and, and Miguel Ferrer and Jay Johnson, so that was fun. So I did that for a few months up in um, Vancouver and uh, that was great. I, 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 was, I suddenly got these roles playing, um, after being a chemist all those years, I got the, the two roles, one in a movie and one on a series of being like a motorcycle mama, it was very strange. All of a sudden I was riding a motorcycle all the time. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> From Lab Coats to Leather Jackets, the I.M. Davidson story.
0: Um, So uh, when Broken Badges came to an end, we got you back on daytime on Santa Barbara uh, as Kelly Capwell toward the end of that show's run. We just uh, had A. Martinez on the podcast and he spoke so highly. Yes, we sure did. And he absolutely loved working with you, clearly. What stands out to you about the
1: Santa Barbara experience? Oh, it was such an interesting time because... I guess the show obviously was on its last legs and, um, Paul Rausch was bringing people in from every show. Kim Zimmer, uh, a, a was already on that show. Kim Zimmer, Nancy Gron, Uh, I guess she'd already been on the show. Who else did he bring in? Jack Wagner. And Stephen um, Nichols briefly Nichols, me, Charles Grant, just all, all these people. At one point I remember I went to his office cause I didn't have any story. I worked with A, and I loved working with A. He's such a pure actor. He's just such a pure giving human being, and such a translate to his acting translates to his acting. Uh, to his acting. Uh, I remember going up and talking to Paul. I said, "I feel like you're collecting butterflies, and we're pinned to a, a wall, but I've got nothing to do." So I wasn't super excited about that last year in terms of working, except the fact that I got to work with these amazing people, really incredibly talented people. Um, so that was fun. That was an interesting year. Uh, Well, in 1993, you
0: created the role of Kristen on Days of Our Lives, and your journey on that show is pretty incredible as well. Another character with tremendous impact on the show and arguably the whole trajectory of that soap. Um, Your roster of Salem alter egos would ultimately expand to include Susan, Penelope, Sister Mary Mora, and Thomas. So (laughs) did you have any sense of how
1: major Kristen was going to be when you started? Well, no, because she was uh, the heroine. She was a good girl and kind of bland. You know well not really that when i want to think about working with with drake i mean the john and christian scenes i can't believe the stuff that we got away with i mean my niece was watching some clips my niece is like 33 she goes this was on television i'm like i know <laughs> what the heck they were thinking i mean i'm not a prude but i can't believe some of the stuff we did mm-hmm. pretty intense right yes. yes when i think back i'm so thoroughly embarrassed so she was kind of a, a do-gooder, you know, and kind of boring. And, and, and after a year of, we've got Eileen Davidson here, whatever that means, nothing really was happening. And I was just like frustrated and a little bitchy. I was just like, I've got nothing to do on the show. And then, you know, they make her bad, which was the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I mean, I'd never, I'd played bad, um, when I was first starting my career in a couple of horror movies, movies I'd done, I was kind of typecast as a bitch. And then I, that all changed. So then when I got to kind of embrace that part of myself again, I just ran with it. I had so much fun. It was my idea, by the way, to play both. They were going to cast somebody else, possibly Brenda, to, um, to come in for a short story of Susan. Wow. And I was like, let me, can I play both roles? And so that's where it kind of took off. And then Jim Riley apologized to me after I left. Because, I mean, I was working, I had 80 pages of dialogue one day, you guys, one day. And I, I, mean, I see pictures of myself in my last day. I had like, I was just like, it was in shock. It was, I was exhausted. We worked on Saturdays then. Oh my gosh. Pretty intense. So um, he apologized. He said he was just very inspired by the characters. <laughs> <laughs> and thank God, because, I mean, it was a lot of fun. It's not something I could have done forever. Clearly, that's why I left. But it was a great, great thing. And it changed my career.
0: I mean, obviously, your work as Susan stands out, I think, in part because it was such a contrast to how fans had seen you before in this glamour, you know, uh, image that was sort of crafted from you in the, in the 80s. Like, did you,
1: did you uh, enjoy, I guess? Oh, my God. Yeah. into that? Yeah. Of course. Anybody that knows me knows that's kind of who I am. Um, I guess, you know, from playing the, 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 um, sophisticated Ashley or whatever, you didn't really see that, (laughs) but I mean, yeah, I mean, my family's funny. They're always goofy. They were always putting on shows and, you know, singing songs and crazy. So, yeah, I mean, I've always been kind of a goofball and nobody knew that. So I kind of got to share that with the world. It it wasn't difficult at all for me to be goofy, Mm -hmm. um, and it, it wasn't a hard, you know, transition to play her. It was basically just fake teeth. It, was like, it must take you hours to look like that. I'm like, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I had a good time. I had a great, great time bringing Susan to life and, and then bad Kristen too. It was so much fun.
0: Well, I was going to say, speaking of those teeth, I feel like one of the most iconic days moments was them flying out of her mouth at the wedding. Um, you know, What do you remember about that nightmare, nightmare in Graceland, I feel they called
1: it? Um, I think I remember trying to get the toss right because it was in slow motion and had to fall into a champagne glass. So I just remember that and they pulled it off beautifully. Also, I think one of my very favorite scenes was when Kristen and marlena were locked in together in the secret room mm-hmm. and they had a hat fight and they're throwing each other <laughs> it looks so stupid too because we're like going really high in the air like that would really happen <laughs> <laughs> like very 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 funny funny very you know it's kind of, it a it's very campy show
0: mm-hmm. and
1: um, you can't you don't play the camp but um, it was a it was a fun thing to do very different uh, i remember one time as susan she was having some kind of a nightmare which was happening a lot with Susan. And I was in this like weird little black tent that they had me doing all these weird things and saying things with my fake teeth and screaming. And <laughs> I remember looking at the camera and saying, this is going to be on television, people. Don't you care? <laughs> it was so absurd. It was so absurd. I was always in lingerie and lingerie is Satan. I mean, I'm the devil in, in lingerie. And, and then when they asked me to come back and I was basically doing the devil in lingerie again, I went, really? <laughs> <laughs> what is it with you guys and Satan and Kristen and lingerie? <laughs> um, I
0: know. Yep. Some
1: things are just timeless, Eileen. What can we tell you? Um, so
0: Kristen <laughs> was, uh, on that show, the adopted daughter of Stefano Demera, played by the late
1: Joseph Moscolo. What's your favorite memory of Joe? I don't know. I mean, I have so many. Uh, he was... He was a very, very brusque, kind of domineering presence, but um, basically just a pussycat. I mean, he loved the show so much. He loved working so much. And we had a fantastic dynamic. I loved um, the fact that she would kind of, Kristen would kind of cower with him, but also come back and strike at him. It was kind of a a nice thing. And he was just a consummate professional, super easy to work with. Very, very funny. You know, I always bring out the accents and, and stuff. Yeah, I always say he was the person who intimidated me
0: the most when I started covering the show and yet he was such a teddy bear and so sweet and yes. the opposite of what my perception of him yes. was. Mm-hmm. So how did you react when you heard that they were creating the roles of Sister Mary, Thomas, and Penelope?
1: Uh, well, you know, I was really excited about it. It was intimidating. I was super busy in those days. Um, but I didn't have a lot of time. I would have preferred more time. Because to, you know, flesh out these characters, to make them as good as I would like to have made them. um, I do remember when the Thomas thing came, I I immediately knew I wanted to do a comb over. Um, (laughs) So I got the comb over. And as soon as I found out I was playing the nun, I was like, get me a ruler. Um, Because I I mean, my my older siblings went to school, parochial school as well. And they had stories of being knuckles hit with the ruler that never happened to me. But I just thought even though maybe she wasn't that mean, but she was always threatening that she could go there. So, um, I, and when I came back to the show and I was playing sister, Christian was playing sis, sister Mary, I actually just brought my own ruler from home. <laughs> that wasn't written in. I just brought it, you know, because that's how I find the character. So I'm like, I've got my own ruler, Ron. <laughs> I texted him. He was like, exclamation points. I'm like, um, yeah. Anyway, so back to that. Yeah, so I was, you know, I was. it was exciting for me. I just, I loved to be able to do something so different. I, you know, I've always felt like I was a character actress that was kind of trapped in this leading lady, you know, persona thing because of the casting. So it was a kind of an opportunity. Obviously it was it was an opportunity for me to kind of just, you know, get my ya eyes out, have some fun. <laughs> totally.
0: And we had a lot of fun with you having a lot of fun. <laughs> um, well, Kristen was also... Uh, Quite the thorn, as we've sort of hinted at in the sides of John and Marlena. So uh, what are your like standout uh, memories, I guess, of working so closely with Drake Hogeson and Deidre Hall in that story?
1: You know, I I loved being the spoiler. I thought it was fun. I mean, um, Drake was great to work with. Loved working with Drake. He was so happy to have, um, you know, a change in story. You kind of get sick of doing the same thing. So it was kind of a breath of fresh air to be able to do something different. And uh, we had great chemistry. We worked really, really well together. Dee and I had great chemistry. We had a lot of fun. We still do, actually. Um, um, So that was, it was fun. I really enjoyed it. I know that the fans had a hard time with it. Those hardcore Marlena, John Black fans. Oh, my God. That is like a whole different animal, people. (laughs) I had had death threats against me. Oh, God. And I had to, one woman was taken out of one of the fan events by uh, security. Uh, she had threatened me and said she was gonna knife me. And she was writing me on a regular basis, threatening me. And she wrote something, so I, I figured out that she was um at one of the fan events. That's when we used to have them like every year. So security had to get involved. They had to read all the letters because of a there was a threat. And they found her and they carried her out in the middle of the next fan event. She was screaming, I'm I'm not, you know, I'm harmless, I'm harmless. So and then I had I've had a lot of weird things like that I've had to be accompanied to my car by security I had people yeah so um, yeah that was weird and by the way that's the same time that I stopped answering fan mail uh, because and I, I would, if anybody I hope people are listening to this that if they've written and they haven't gotten responses um, I've actually been told not to respond because you never know
0: mm-hmm.
1: what gets in somebody's mind and it's just not something you want to joke around with and when I've had a couple I've had like three things. Prisoners would write me knowing my route home. So there was like just some weird things. So it just made me kind of say, I better listen to these people, the security, the the people that deal with this fans.
0: Um, Well, you did deport Days of Our Lives in one of the most classic soap switcheroos between (laughs) Kristen and Susan. You know, poor Kristen wound up in that harem for quite a while. But in 1999, you made your return to Young and the Restless. So how did your Genoa City comeback come about?
1: I always joked about this too. It was funny. Don Diamant, I think he called me and said that they would be interested in me coming back to the show. And I, it was not at all where my head was at. I would left days the year before. It was the first time I really even, I said, really? I said, that's not at all where I saw me going. I just, I don't know why. I just didn't see that. And so then I don't know. I, I said, I guess give me a call. And then it worked out. So we owe it to Don. Okay. Yeah. Noted. Yeah. Don facilitated it.
0: So uh, that was your, I think, first time working with Peter Bergman. Is that correct? Who, yes. Um, who I know uh, there's a lot of mutual admiration going on there. Tell us about working with Peter.
1: Yeah, it was great. Amazing. Amazing. Um, I had seen him socially over the years at events. And he was like always saying, I'd love to have a chance to work with you sometime. And like, I know, blah, blah. sweet guy, always just sweet. And then, you know, we just clicked right out of the gate. We're just so lucky when you have that kind of relationship and chemistry with somebody. I don't take it for granted. It's such a beautiful thing. And um, just to this day, it's just like, you know, fresh air working with Pete. It's just super easy, super natural. I know he's got my back. I've got his back. I can always count on him. Um, We remind each other sometimes when you're working all the time, you you can forget subtleties, and we can remind each other of what needs to be played without offending the other. Um, Not that we do it a lot, but... (laughs) Hey asshole! You missed that B. <laughs> but um, you know, sometimes you're like, "This is what's happening." You know, just to remind. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then i I'll say, you know, could you maybe do this because it would help me with that? And it's it's a nice thing. It's a luxury. It's great. So after YNR, you made your way to Bold and Beautiful. Tell us how that happened. Best kept secret. I love that show so much. And um, Brad called me and asked me if I wanted to come over. I'd gotten fired um, from YNR. And like a month later, he called and said, do you want to come on the show? I'm like, yeah, it sounds like fun. So I went over there and everybody's so lovely, such a lovely, really well, sweetly produced show. Just lovely people, just great. I had a fantastic experience. I loved working with Ron. Um, I love the Ridge Ashley thing. I thought we had terrific chemistry that could have gone somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that was a really strange time because of uh, being fired. And then that person wasn't there anymore. And then I got asked back to YNR, and it's just strange, strange. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, there's always like uh, ultimately off-screen drama that somewhat rivals the on-screen, you know. Somewhat. Michigas, as my people would say. (laughs) All all sorts of things going on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, skipping ahead just a little bit, in 2012, you made quite the triumphant return to Days of Our Lives, uh, which ultimately landed you quite deservedly on the daytime Emmy podium, accepting the Lead Actress Trophy. Uh, tell us what it was like to step back into the shoes of Kristen in such a, a fantastic oh, okay. fashion.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm say this. Um, you know, I'm just going to say it. Uh, I was fired again from y but i was told that days of our lives wanted me a little weird um without any notice i was just kind of this is what's happening Mm -hmm. and i was a little bitter i'm not gonna lie um so i i was watching super soul sunday with oprah and they were talking she was talking about somebody was talking that was on the show about um how to be open to every experience that, that you're presented with and to be grateful. And you never know what's going and, and to just experience it with an open heart and open mind. I said, I am not going to go back on this show being bitter. I am just going to embrace it and see where we go. And it was the best thing that's ever happened to me <laughs> I was to show you. Literally it was the, one of the best things that's ever happened to me. And um, I remember sitting next to Mart Soft in the makeup chair when I first came back and I, we had a bunch of scenes together. And I was like, why am I working with him? <laughs> Like, I don't understand. Nobody told me a thing. Like, I don't I remember working with him. I thought I'd be working with, you know, Drake. Um, I also thought I'd be coming back more as Susan. I didn't know they were focusing so much on Kristen. So I didn't know anything. And then um, this, I, I was there for a year. I signed a year deal. And... Um, The story was so fantastic. Chris Weitzel wrote that and he wrote the hell out of it. And the character was so fantastic. And they let me have free reign. And I got to really flesh out Kristen and her vulnerability. And she was like, I called her the psychopath with a heart of gold because she could justify everything she did for all the right reasons. You know, what do you mean? Of course I had to sleep with the priest. I had to. It was, I was, it was going to like, I had to do with that. So it it was, I could justify everything she did. It was written so beautifully. And Martzoff and I had great chemistry. And who knew that? I didn't know this guy from Adam. And we just ran with it and had such a great time. And the writing was terrific. And I had the time of my life. I had so much fun that year. Mm -hmm. And Martzoff and I both won Emmys. It was just a fantastical experience all the way around. Don't take it for granted. I really appreciate it. Well,
0: let's not give your Emmy win short shrift. What was the experience like of hearing your name called?
1: I, I felt like even if I didn't win, I knew that my work was really terrific that year. And I felt really good about my work. And it was a kind of a really f- good feeling of being satisfied knowing that. So that was exciting. I was super excited about it. Um, uh, especially for that year. I loved that year so much. And I just, I loved the work so much. I loved how crazy she was. And, um, how vulnerable she was. So it was just really fun for me. I had a great time.
0: I, I think of your work as like typifying the phrase, understanding the assignment, you know, like I think your embrace of it was so strong
1: and um, just what a, what a fun story to, to experience as a and viewer. I have no idea what it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just didn't know there was no prep. Literally I, I was, I was up in the office. I said, we're not going to have you on young and Roses," but days wants you. And two days later, I got a call from days. It's like, please, please, please. OK. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty you know.
0: wild. Um, well, 2014 was also a memorable year insofar as you joined the cast of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I freaking fell in love with the real Eileen Davidson or that version, I guess, of the real Eileen Davidson oh, so much. I'm going to cry. What stands out to you, I guess, about
1: that wild experience? What doesn't stand out? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are you know, you're serious. Um, I mean, you know, first of all, the funny thing is when I won that Emmy on Days of Our Lives, they had reached out to me to be on, to possibly be on The Housewives. And I said, you know, I'm nominated for an Emmy. And I remember Chris Collins saying, well, you know, it's too bad we can't film you. I said, well, I guess you could, technically. So they came up and they filmed me getting ready and they feel like they couldn't go in and they filmed me coming out with the Emmy. That was just me saying, hey, you know, why don't you just come and film? And Chris jumping on and saying, let's just do it in case you are on the show. Thank God I won. <laughs> um, that was, you know, I don't know. My sister had just died and my niece had just died literally weeks before I got the phone call. And I was I've always been kind of attracted to obviously playing the five characters and whatever uh, to things that scared me. And uh, The Housewives was completely new frontier, and I figured you'd only live once. I'd lost two very important people in my life. And I am like, you know what? Whatever, I'm just gonna give it a try. I can always leave. I can see it for a year, and if I hate it, I'll leave. Um, so yeah, so that was the motivation for doing that. Plus Lisa was on it, Lisa Renna. We ended up having a lot of fun together. It was very strange. It's a very strange world, and I approached it like a reality show, but I was kind of like the only one. <laughs> I was really like, I would, I really was, I mean, I would show up at things like wearing real life clothes. And I remember Kyle's barbecues. Oh, just a barbecue. So I'd come in like a beach dress. Everybody's like a gown. I'm like, um, so Kyle, you just told me like, you know, summer dress and you're wearing like a silk caftan. Um, so it's like, I would always dress the opposite of whatever she said after that. But so there was definitely a learning curve. You know, and I never really did learn the curve. Let's, let's face it, but it was interesting. It was it was one of the most interesting experiences of my life, for sure. And I learned a lot about other people and what they're capable of, and me too. And uh, it was it was just fascinating. Mm-hmm. I'm still learning. I still don't know everything. I really don't. I was in shock for for quite a while, and I'm still processing things. Wow. Yeah. And I really am because what happens. Uh, on camera, what happens off camera, where I see them evolving, the, the women now, and it's just interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, in that sense, because you did go into it sort of not knowing, what was it like when you would watch the show's episodes play back? Like, was there anything that came
1: as a surprise to you or something? On the oh, sure. Back? Oh, sure. They kind of, um, they 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 edited it and, and they would kind of control the narrative a little bit. Uh, for me, kind of being um, uh, kind of like a hick, which was kind of interesting. I don't know. It was kind of funny. I was like, they would kind of like play up things and, and, and play down, uh, play down other aspects of my life to make me look more uh, a certain way. That It was interesting. I was like, but that's not true. That's not, a, that's not who I am, but they would just like to play up that. Also, I found one of these funny things. It was like so annoying. I'm used to being on camera. And a lot of the reason why I brought shitty purses is because on a TV show, you can wear a shitty purse. Nobody's ever going to know that it's a shitty purse. It's TV. So you'd have like a crappy purse. They're never going to know. I'm on a show all the time. I don't wear like you know. But I wasn't planning on getting called out for it. I figure like it's a, it's a TV show that nobody's going to know my crappy purse. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> not to mention overalls. By the way, I brought them back, you guys. I got a lot of crap from my jumpsuits and my overalls. And I'm not lying. A year later, have we not seen jumpsuits and overalls everywhere? Everywhere. But a lot of crap for that too. I'm like, excuse me. Yes. Uh, why were you wearing a suit on a like a trip to Dubai? Come on. <laughs> um, anyway. Oh, and the other thing that was just totally cracking me up. I was seeing <laughs> I'm also used to having a hairstylist. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I'd be on camera just like I'd be like, you know, I'm on a reality show. I'm just how I am. And they're like, have their glam squads. I'm like they would do an over-the-shoulder shot, of like I'm having lunch with somebody, and the back of my hair wouldn't be brushed. Because <laughs> I don't look at the back of my hair. I have a hairstylist that does that for me. Every <laughs> guy will say, your back of your hair needs a touch-up. So I, I was like, fixate. I'm like, oh, my God, my hair looks like crap from the back. Nobody's like, nobody has your back. Nobody's like, oh, you know what? Your hair looks really bad from the back. I mean, you might want to comb it before we shoot the like, scene. You know? Mm-hmm. Not to mention, like, I'd be sitting, they would light us for a scene, and like I, I had a, a good side and a bad side, so they would put me in this spot, and then I'd be working with somebody who shall remain nameless, and that person would take my spot. We'd rehearse it when I'd be on a certain spot, and then that person took my spot. And me, because I just didn't want to mess up flow and, like, make it go a longer day, I just went along with it, but I'm like, wow. You're kind of on your own. You're kind of on your own. Interesting. Mm-hmm. For sure. That's why I needed a lot of time to decompress and go, okay. And then also I believe that they're telling, so funny because Michelle, uh, I, I'm working on YNR today and Michelle um, was asking me all these questions. And she goes, do you mind? I said, no, if I hadn't been on the show and you had been, I'd be torturing you for information. <laughs> I'm still kind of processing it now, you know, because um, it's just strange. Well, you're I'm talking to about- big Bravo fans here. So we could probably go on all day. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't have any regrets of having done it. I know I, I got a lot of people, how could you do that? And what were you thinking? I'm like, um, why not? I, you gave it a go, whatever. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I, my kids, whenever if any of them or Vinny had ever said, we don't want to be doing this, I would have been off in a second. And actually, towards the end, my son, who was only 11 when we started, and I think 13, 14, he, people would ask him, isn't your mom on The Housewives? I've seen you on The Housewives. And he would go, no. And he'd walk away. (laughs) So he was having a hard time. He 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 goes, I don't want to be famous because my parents are. I don't want to be in the limelight because you guys are. He just still that way at 18. He just, as he started getting older, became more aware of it. And he didn't like it.
0: Yeah, well, it is really uh, obviously just been wonderful these past couple of years to have you back on YNR. You took part in uh, the beautiful story of of the Alzheimer's, for example, and then on the day's side to have you back in action, both popping up on the main series and also taking part in the the Peacock streaming spinoff. So what was it like for you to shoot A Very Salem
1: Christmas? It was fun. I mean, Beyond Salem was super, super fun when that came about that was just a call out of the blue. It was crazy. They actually asked me to come back for the the Satan thing. And I had a lot of uh, reservations about it because of the, you know, the lingerie and Kristen again with the fricking Satan thing. Um, and at first I was like, I don't want to play that up, but I'm not comfortable. I'm not sure if I want to do that. And, and then I thought about it because of my age too. I'm like, you really want to see it? And I said, you know what? Screw that. I'm just going to jump back in. And I'm going to commit and I'm I'm not going to be afraid. And it kind of scares me. So then, then I had to do it. So, and I'm really grateful and really happy that I did. It was really fun to kind of go back and, 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 um, test those waters again with that crazy storyline. And then the beyond Salem thing came across where they do the tongue in cheek about the housewives. I love that. I love seeing Lisa mm-hmm. and working with Lisa Brenna. That felt so incredibly natural. I love her. And I I've had so much fun with her doing that. Um, and just working with Kanagan and, and um, Albert Alar and Ron, Color body, and just it was tr- tremendous. I loved it. And uh, working with Drake, it was fun. Well,
0: as hard as it is to believe, this year marks the 40th anniversary of your Young and Restless debut.
1: So is first that of all, true? You know, yeah. I didn't even know that. Really? So can you even wrap your mind around that number? I can't. I was just seeing my mother-in-law yesterday. She's 91 soon. Wow. And we were talking about how we don't feel any different than we did like 20, 30 years ago. It's so weird. It's such a strange thing. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's shocking. I'm very lucky. I'm a very blessed person. I'm super grateful.
0: Um, well, before we let you go, could you even like put into words what this incredible career that you've had in daytime television has meant to you personally and professionally since you landed the role of Ashley Almost in June, 40 years will be your debut. Amazing.
1: Also, also, I've left so many times and Mm -hmm. done other things. And I've had so many interesting experiences. And I met my husband on The Young and the Restless. When I came back to the show, I was like, I was like, you know, I I didn't really, like I just told you guys, I wasn't really seeing my life going there. But now, in retrospect, clearly it makes perfect sense. Life is weird. When you've been around enough, long enough on the planet, you kind of go, oh, yeah. That's why that happened. I mean, if that's the only reason I came back was to meet Vincent and and have my son and my two incredible bonus stepsons, It's everything. You know, I've had a, an amazing you know, we've been married almost 20 years wow. and uh, have a have a great life. And I have great in-laws and it's been a very rich experience. So, um, yeah, I mean, the show's obviously been huge. And, you know, thank you, Bill Bell and Lee and all the bells, and just uh, the whole experience here has been quite unbelievable, and just the many branches it's kind of taken.
0: I'm sure there will be many more of them in the months and years ahead, and we thank you so much for sharing everything today, Eileen. It was so great to catch up with you
1: and just hear all your stories. I'm so grateful to you and to Soap Opera Digest for all the great times and great memories and really spectacular articles and, and covers